So my tendency is to think that I don't need anybody. I got this. Or at least that that's the goal. The goal is to be fully self-sufficient by age 30. <laughs> I mean, we have, there's a whole section in the bookstore, self-help. We have all, a television channel dedicated to DIY, do it yourself. We are built around being self-sufficient. I um, am part of the generation that really hates talking on the phone, so the last thing that we're gonna do is call somebody to ask for help. Don't ask me to call somebody. I'd rather look it up online. I want to be able <laughs> to fix the things on my own, whatever it is. I wanna fix my computer on my own, my garage door, my relationships, any situation at work, it's me. I'm gonna fix it, I don't want any help because the last thing in the world that I wanna be is needy. Well, reality sunk in when I moved out of my parents' house <laughs> and lived on my own for the first time and started working and going to school at the same time and all of a sudden there were a lot of things that needed fixing at the same time and I couldn't fix all of them. And so I found myself calling my mom a lot more and I would start off saying, mom, I'm so sorry, I need your help. And she would always end the phone by saying, don't ever apologize for needing your mom, it's what moms are for. The reality is we need God. And that's what Lent is all about. It's the season in church where we mirror the 40 days that Jesus spent being tempted on his own in the wilderness. It's dedicated time to remember just how much we need God to sit in the reality of Jesus Christ's sacrifice that we sent him to the cross as both the people in the crowd chanting overcome by the powers that be and also as the people who sent him to the cross because we sinned and we needed to be reconciled to God. And there's no way we could do that on our own. It's the season dedicated to acknowledging just how hard life is, to not pushing aside the discomfort of sadness and grief and all the ways that we've been hurt and the ways that we suffer and the people that we love to go through pain. It's sitting in our finitude, but realizing that God is right here with us through it all and promises hope. If we look at the church year, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and ordinary time as one worship service, I'm gonna quiz you on that later, as one worship service, from like the gathering to the songs to the prayers to the creeds and the sermon and the more songs and more prayers. If we look at the whole church year as one worship service, Lent is the prayer of confession. That uncomfortable time where we admit to each other and to ourselves and to God just where we have fallen short in loving God and loving others. I don't know if that helps you to think about Lent as a 40-day prayer of confession to God, 
but I'd encourage you not to miss out on the powerful meaning and practice of sitting in Lent because it makes Easter all the more meaningful. And something that I love about scripture is that it truly captures the fullness of the human experience. Stories of people thousands of years ago, of their feelings and their problems and the way that they uh, struggled with God and struggled with each other, they're all the same struggles and feelings that we have now. From thousands of years ago, they still ring true to us today. And that psalm that, that we read, Psalm 51, does a really good job of capturing exactly what Lent and Ash Wednesday are all about on our end and on God's end. The Bible is full of God's word to us. And as my childhood pastor would say, the Bible is God's word to us and the Psalms are our words to God. And this psalm, as Doug mentioned, is traditionally, it's attributed to David after he's received word from the prophet Nathan who's confronted him about killing Uriah and taking Bathsheba against her will. So here now, the words of, to God from David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, God, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be made clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. This psalm it captures both our nature, the human nature, and God's nature. The human nature that sin is ever before us, that sin pervades every part of our lives. Sin is the just reality that we live in. It's listed four or five times, wash me from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions are right before me. That before you, God, alone I have sinned and I have done what is evil. I was born guilty. The psalmist is just confessing over and over how sin has pervaded his life. Sin is real. And it's both from our own choices and is on a corporate level. Despite 
our best efforts. Sin is our reality. It's in our choice not to acknowledge the person who needed our help. And it's in the clothes that we buy that were made by people who aren't paid a fair living. It's in our bitterness towards the people who hurt us. And it's in the waste that we throw away that's slowly degrading our earth. The person writing this psalm is saying, sin is all around me. But even before they talk about human nature, they talk about God's nature. The first words, before they lament the reality of sin, they praise the more powerful reality of God's grace. Verse one, it says, have mercy on me, God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. The first things out of his mouth are, God, you are merciful. God, your love is abundant. You are abounding in mercy for me. Your love is steadfast. And through this loving mercy, God does not count these sins against us. That's, that's what we call being justified by God's grace. That with sin, we don't have a right relationship with God. We can't stand before God. That's why the psalmist says in verse four that God is absolutely justified in judging him. Because he sinned against God. And because of sin, we aren't able to make ourselves right before God. We can't do that on our own. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much scripture we read and how much we pray and how much money we donate and how much time we spend in prayer, we cannot save ourselves. Only God can do that for us. And because of who God is, loving and merciful, God does that for us. We need God. Our sin is great, but God's love is greater. Our sin is a reality, it's a true thing, but God's love is truer and a bigger reality. But the thing about God is that God doesn't just justify us. It's not that God brings us from a negative balance back to zero. It's not that God brings us from behind to start back at square one and see if we can do it again. God makes us new. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and put a new and right spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. God loves us too much to leave us where we were. Create a clean heart. The first thing God did is create. So of course, God is gonna keep on creating. How silly of us to think that God would ever stop creating that God would just leave us where we were. God 
it's, it's in God's very nature to continue to create, to restore, to rehabilitate, to revive. That's who God is. Put a new spirit in me, restore in me with joy and sustain me. This psalm speaks about being reconciled to God and being made new by God. And David, if he wrote this or whoever wrote this, doesn't know how, but he knows God is the only way that it can happen. And at Lent, we recognize that we need God. And God reconciles us through Jesus Christ. God reconciles us and makes us new with God's own self. Paul writes this to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17. Starting in verse 17, Paul writes, So if anyone is in Christ, it, they, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. It is by Jesus Christ that we are made right with God and made new. It is by Jesus Christ that we are made new, just as the psalmist prays for. And in looking at these first 12 verses of that psalm, I realized, man, that's a pretty good model for a prayer. In just four parts, especially for this season of Lent, I think you break it down pretty simply into petition, confession, forgive me and make me new. Petition is just that fancy word for calling out to God. You can see that in the first two verses. Have mercy on me, God. Here I am. Listen to me, God. I'm crying out to you. And then the confession, telling God just where we have fallen short. In verses three through five, God, the, the psalmist has, confesses his own sins and it's where we can just say, God, I've sinned and here's how. And this requires some inner reflection. So that's fun. Enjoy that then forgive me. That's pretty straightforward. Asking God to forgive us for this that we have done. And finally, make me new. In verses 10 through 12, where the psalmist says to create in him a new heart, a clean heart, and put a new spirit in him. And I feel like this is, this is the one that we tend to forget. It's the one I tend to forget. I tend to stop at forgive me because I, don't, I just want my bases covered. But this request to create in me a clean heart, make me new, God, is telling God that we truly believe in God's redemption. We truly believe in God's restoration, that it can happen to us, that God can do it for us. It's also telling God that we want to be more like you. 
It's not just stopping and saying, eh, I'll just cover my base and now I don't have to do, now I can just ask for forgiveness again. It's saying, no, I want to make a change. I want to be more like you, God. We don't just want that forgiveness. We truly want to be made more like God and we believe that God can do it. So this Lent, starting today, let us not shy away from how much we need God. Let us not try to fix things on our own, but let's sit in our neediness. Cry out to God, confess before God, ask for forgiveness and plead to be made new. And while we can hold on to the hope that God can and will and does make us new, let's not skip to Easter yet. Lent's not meant to be comfortable. Being made new isn't comfortable. But don't be afraid to need God. It's what God is for. Will you pray with me? Loving God, how we need you. God, we can a lot of times think that we got this on our own that we live this life on our own, that we take our breath, each breath on our own. But God, remind us how much we need you. You alone, God, can sustain us. You alone can renew us. You alone can make us right with you. God, thank you for being a loving God, for choosing us, for making us new, for not giving up on us. God, thank you. And in this season of Lent, God, let us not rush to the end, but let us be reminded of the sacrifice you did and sit in our own sacrifices, so small in comparison to what you've done for us. God, we need you. Let us not forget just how much we need you. In your name we pray, amen.